you are listening to this week's installment of the Path of a Believer podcast. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of the Path of a Believer. We are here today, and we are honored to uh, be in New Life's uh, New Life Church building in Venice. Uh, they decided to host us here, and we thank you guys so much for yes. letting us host. In today's podcast, we actually brought uh, the pastor of New Life's uh, church daughter. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we brought her on. Her name is Naomi. She's here to share us a amazing uh, truth that, that she's been studying in her life and what um, God has been pouring out into her. But also we have Daniel, uh, my our second host or first host, second host. It, it, where we always go back and forth. Yeah. But um, we want to thank you guys so much for coming to watch us again. And... Uh, Make sure you guys leave a like and subscribe if you guys want to. But we want to get started. Not too much focus on the subscribing part. So before we get kind of uh, into this, just so people kind of know um, your background, um, where are you from, how old you are? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm 27. I'll be turning 28, uh, I guess, next week. So I'm almost 28. Wow. <laughs> and uh, my family comes from Canada. I was born there, but I've lived in Florida most of my life. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And, okay, and um, you lived in Florida most of your life. How long have you guys been in, in this building here? Twenty-five years, actually. This is oh, the twenty-fifth year anniversary. We're going to be celebrating in two weeks. Well, so. congratulations, early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just tracked that by. I was three when we came here. So. Wow, God is good. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, um, anyway, about your background in schooling, what, what did you do for schooling, and uh, how how far along okay. are you in schooling right now? Uh, I'm still in school, so I, I did an undergraduate's degree in chemistry and. Uh, that was at USF in Tampa. And um, I work with a school of ministry in Indiana called Whitehorse School of Ministry. And I have a master's in theology with them. And I'm working on a doctorate probably in theology is what I'm going to probably stick with. But okay. you know, possibility of doing like doctorate of ministry or doctorate of theology, we're still in the beginning parts. So I have a while to go before I finish my dissertation and stuff. So I mean, that's a lot of years. How many, year, how many years have you been doing this for? Well, the the later on portion, so the with the school of ministry, it's not been too long. It's been only maybe three years, I'd say, something like that. And uh, but the undergraduate took me a long time. I did that sort of on my own instead of relying on Holy Spirit. So it took me about twice as long as it should have. <laughs> a it's big lesson how, to learn. <laughs> you know, actually, that to bring that up, um, this pastor was actually preaching about it, and he said that. Uh, the Israel, Israelite people were trying to rebuild the temple for so many years before um, uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah came up. And it's funny how fast the Holy Spirit can do it with one prayer instead of the 400 years that they were doing it and before that. Right. So you have Nehemiah building the wall in, I think it was, what, 55 days, 52 days, something like that, 52. And it, it just happened as a miracle, and it startled and frightened all of their enemies around them just because it was obvious that God's hand was in it, right? That's awesome. Yeah. When God's so, hand, when God's for you, who can be against you? That's exactly. Close. That's the big part. Yeah. Go ahead. So the topic we came to discuss today, which we all synced up on, um, and figured this would be a very good thing to talk about um, because it's a thing that's relevant right now in culture. Yes. Very big, actually. One of the biggest thing, and that is identity, who you are, and ultimately for us as Christians, who God says you are. Mm-hmm. So well, we want to start out first to talk about what is the truth. Yes, yes the discussion and, of truth is, I think, important when trying to dive into this topic because if you can't agree on the definitions and the baselines of truth, that foundation that's essential for understanding God's wisdom about the universe, then you're not going to be able to get very far with identity. Yes, that's very true. And so, um, for us to start off, what truth are we actually talking about today? Well, why don't we just talk about truth as a universal construct? So if we're looking at what is the truth, we have a culture now that talks about my truth versus your truth versus Mm. someone else's truth versus Barney's truth, the fictional character that we grew up with when we were three years old's truth. Relativism. Um, It's just, it's a little bit insane. If we were talking about universal construct of truth, we really need to focus on how the universe was created, which we as believers believe in God. And so truth is the universe according to God's perspective of reality. I like that. That's as simple as it is. Uh, so, so we're focusing first things first. The truth is the universe according to God's reality. Mm-hmm. His, his perspective is the standard for which everything else, when it comes to its baseline structure, so how the world really is, how the situation really is, is the truth. And the truth is exactly how God sees it. 
Oh, I love it. That's good. I love it. Now, where do we find this truth? How do we find what God sees it? And like, especially in your studies, how are you able to find? Because I mean, a lot of doctrine that's out there right now and a lot of doctrine that's around us can be polluted in a way mm-hmm. that the distortion, like, okay, God said one thing, but this doctrine is actually putting out a completely different approach to it. Mm-hmm. So where do you find the truth itself? Well, uh, it says that if you want to have wisdom and knowledge that you have to read the scripture. You I have to start with, how does God look at the universe? Well, you should probably ask him. Do we have a source of which God has spoken to us about reality, existence, life, how we should live it, our identity? We do. The mm. Bible is our, our guiding compass, and we could, you know, we won't argue about translation, but plenty of people certainly do. Yeah. And it's not about the translation. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit of the law. So if you can have the spirit of the law, combined with Holy Spirit living inside of you and maintaining a real relationship where you're actively seeking the Lord, not just reading, but reading with understanding, prayer, fasting, looking to be in worship, looking to have a communication-based relationship like you would with a human or any other type of thing, then you're going to be able to understand how God sees things because you're going to be able to have a real face-to-face experience with God. I wanted to add on to that, like, um, you know, some people might say uh, when they're listening to this, like, oh, what about science, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, me personally, I've started to realize um, I'm a biology major right now, and the more I learn about science, I started realizing that true science, it actually supports the Bible. Oh, yes. Like the 600, was it 12 uh, laws that the... 613 six, in, in Leviticus 30, in particular, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at like su- such as the things that Jesus said, oh, well, God gave them to follow, such mm-hmm. as, you know, washing their hands, you know, before like eating yes. and like women going out because, you know, everything. <laughs> there was a reason circumcision behind it. Circumcision on a yes, certain day. Exactly. Yeah, especially circumcision, right? We think of circumcision and it's like, well, do we even need to do that now as Gentiles in particular? Because mm. most of us are Gentiles. Yeah. Most of us are Goyams, right? Yes. But uh, circumcision happens on the day it does because it's the point in your body immune system that is the strongest Mm, yeah you do it on the next day it's weaker you do it on the day before it's weaker you do it on the day that god said it's the strongest it's the strongest immune system less likely to have complications and it's healthier well doing it god's way means that it's going to be done right that's kind of it's kind of how that works doing it god's way means that you're not going to have to suffer to get through it right yeah so um another another great part about scripture is that the truth of it the things that remain are eternal yes. so if it was true then it's true now so uh there was a scientist the guy who in- invented oceanography mm. right because this is really what you're yes. wanting to get at it's the science portion <laughs> yeah the oceanographer uh, was a, discovered by a scientist who read in, in job that the currents are directed by god as mm. though they're underwater pathways like so that. he said, well, if it's in the Bible and God says that there's underwater currents that are pathways, then I'll, I'll be able to discover it. That's right. And so then he did. Wow. And the crazy <laughs> thing to think about this, this is God gives people who are, in, I mean, archaic to us in a sense, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense of technology. They didn't have computers to understand this. And so it couldn't have been just like, you know, these people developed this because they had this advanced technology back then like atlantis or whatever you know um like no like that's not how it worked like god is the creator of everything the bible says everything is from god and unto god like in 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 a gist there's a verse that says that um well i think my favorite verse in bible uh to date is if you lack if you lack wisdom ask the father of wisdom Mm -hmm. and he will grant it to you Mm-hmm. Uh, he is our father and the way I, I've got through most of my school so far is that if I lack wisdom I turn to him and I'm like God I'm going for an exam I know I probably did not <laughs> study good enough for it even though I tried my best now it's up to you I'm gonna go do it, it was, if you if you think I'm worthy enough to pass this exam it's it's for you and then I'm doing my exam and it's the same thing it just comes up and like um, before we started uh, I like I shared a little bit of, of how after I, I came to know who Christ is uh, truly, every single word was jumping out to me mm-hmm. in the Bible. Every word had its own story. Every word had its own detail. And God started revealing to me the wisdom behind the words that he put into the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's rudimentary. Like, it certainly wasn't by accident, right? It's all yeah. ordained for a certain mm-hmm. thing. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so that that's where uh, people uh, that study this and people who get, actually go deeper than most people into subjects like this actually 
thrive in these kind of environments where they can actually be able to describe what God is saying. You know, the, um, your Bible, for instance, with the Hebrew <laughs> and English yeah. version, you're able to describe what God is saying from so many different ways that for somebody who doesn't understand, mm -hmm. they're like, wow, I finally understand it. Well, the more, the more that you can kind of understand the multifacetedness of the creator, the more willing you are to accept uh, looking at things from more than one perspective, too. So I've always, as a scientist-focused person, I've, I've received critiques from, you know, peers in the community about how can you be a creationist and also be a scientist? Mm -hmm. What kind of logic does that sort of serve? And it's like, well, if you look at it, really it takes faith to believe in either theory. But, yeah, <laughs> I uh, love that. <laughs> however, I believe that true science is the pursuit of understanding the wonders of creation. Yes. Wow. So the more that you delve into the hard facts of science, not mm. the postulations. Sorry, can you repeat that one more time? True science is the pursuit. It's the pursuit of understanding the wonders of creation. So. I'm, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to be listening to this again. I'm going to write this down. <laughs> well, God creates a massive universe and puts us in the, in the center of his eye. But it doesn't mean that we can't look up and look out and see see the beauty and majesty of just what he's what happens when he says let there be you know yes. he speaks and then bang we have this big bang <laughs> you do yeah yeah <laughs> he speaks and not the, quite the, the ones that some of our yeah. our scientific community-minded people believe but it, it still is a big bang and it is exactly all of the universe into being so that's for sure when we're trying to look at truth from his perspective it becomes a little bit more obvious that we are not qualified to really be able to create identities for ourselves and i think that that's where our culture really struggles you know we're, we're in the customize yourself kind of culture so well, our culture versus um let's go to the muslim culture okay our culture versus uh the old russian culture our culture versus the old english culture mm -hmm. the american society and um a lot of more and more of the world is starting to adapt this kind of society where it's what i say but like, how do you compare our culture before we get into the deep discussion of identity? Because I love mm -hmm. the, the discussion, um, and I can't wait. Really, can't. <laughs> just jump out of my seat. You can enough to be going just here, enough. But, that's but I'm, I'm pushing. I'm pushing myself to just talk about what is American culture versus because I know you studied, um, especially uh, Israel, uh, Israelites, and all the all mm -hmm. all of Israel and their mm -hmm. culture. How is there? It's different right now in the modern day. As opposed to ancient Israel, is that your no, question? No, like now. Oh, right now. Oh, modern okay. Is uh, modern Israel versus American. Uh, oh, okay. So um, culture. I, I love Israel. Yeah, you've you've nailed it there. I love Israel, and I can't speak as a, an authority in it because I'm not an expert in anything. But um, from my times of visiting Israel, I will say that uh, you're talking about a sort of people who aren't caught up in the flim flam pleasantries of conversation. Very mm -hmm. frank, forward speaking tell it to you as it is, ask you any question kind of a people, which I find refreshing. Um, but also people who are very willing to unite uh, and speak up for those who have no voice. Mm. And we see that being a desire of the American culture, but in reality, it's, uh, it's a pitfall for us because you have minorities dictating what the actions vocalizations and even the thought life is of, for the majority of people now mm. um, and there's a distortion there so I would say that Israel has as many hang-ups as we do just in different areas but um, one thing they certainly they do right is this idea of life is the most important thing mm. uh, the yes. life, life of the a stranger most... the life of a citizen the life of a Palestinian you know yes. there's a lot of conflict there and um, you'll see a lot of hate being sent uh, towards Israel for a supposed issue that they created mm -hmm. when in reality we're talking about a government that cares about its enemies almost as much if not more in some cases than about themselves exactly wow. you've got the idf using things like rubber bullets to be able to try and and grab somebody who's been kidnapped and, and they're being thrown rocks at them by people while they're going on the rooftops and they're doing their best to not injure a single person wow and even at the expense of their own lives just to be able to 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 do the job without hurting someone unnecessarily so it's mm. a it's a different kind of standard but yeah, I would say that for for looking at culture wise, the American culture and I would say it started it started 
in ancient India, Indian, you know, India Hindi culture to some extent too. This idea of nihilism and Buddhism and returning to the void of nothingness that spread into rationalism in the medieval Europe that became this atheistic, agnostic mindset of there is no God, mm. so I have no responsibilities to uphold in moral standards. And now we've got in the American culture this idea of the American dream being almost as important or more important for some people as living a life that's honorable. Mm, that's I, I need to get to my goals, my truth, my best life. My, 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 my. This idea of my best life. Do you even know how to quantify what your best life looks like? Can you mm -hmm. see from outside of time, from the perspective of eternity, and say, well, you know, to get from point A, which is the beginning of my life, to point B, which is me who enters into eternity, I should do no. Wow. We don't have an eternal perspective. Mm. So when I think of identity and truth, right, I think about how, what is it about any person, one person, just one person that defines them? You have to base it off of eternal principles. That's right. And can you do that for the things that people normally say when you ask them to talk about themselves? Mm. So I ask you, so talk about yourself. Um, I'm a nurse. Okay, so that's something you do. Um, I'm 24 years old. Okay, that's a fact. And I'm married. Uh-huh, yep, that's someone that you're with that you enjoy doing things with. So, that's so is that in any way, shape, or form an impact on your eternal future other than you are now one flesh with, of course, your wife? Yeah. Does that reflect on who you are in the eyes of God for all of eternity right now? Um, Marriage. My marriage, it does, because that, that puts me into a big, uh, higher standing where now I have more mm -hmm. responsibilities. And God looks at me indifferently where he's now he's just like, hey. Mm -hmm. Because you your marriage is your a too. sacred thing between you guys and God. Exactly. But without mm -hmm. that, if you weren't married, Nothing. who you like and what you like to do with them doesn't define who you are either. That's good. Right? Didn't so, think of it that way before. <laughs> You're spitballing some really good truth here. <laughs> well, because people like to define themselves by what they like, who they like, what they do, what they yes. think they're good at doing, what people say about them. You know, um, I... You know, I've actually, uh, just um, just to further on this point, and like, this is this is becoming so, such a juicy conversation. I love it. Um, <laughs> just to further on this point, my patients that I take care of, mm -hmm. I've told Daniel this many times, I'm not there to just take care of them physically. I'm there to to take care of them emotionally, spiritually, and uh, like build up their their like social standing about themselves. Like, there's some people that come to me and like they're so broken down, and they're and they're, and yet they're so close to the end of their life. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's such a big change that takes place whenever you you stop being a nurse for a second, you start being a friend. You stop being a nurse for a second. You start being you start being a spiritual leader for a second. You mean, so you mean ministering? You meaning pouring out the heart of God in their yes. life? Yes, uh, but it's not like I'm forced shoving down God down their throats. No, I'm I'm showing them who God is in my life without them even knowing I'm talking about God. Which has eternal consequences. Exactly. But only because God's involved. Exactly. So again, if we go to this thought of there is no God, or we have a culture where God is not involved in shaping my identity, what you're left with is. Nothing. You peel away all of the layers of an onion and all you're left with is tears. <laughs> I okay. love it. So, so the, the system that I, I, I teach a Sunday school class for middle schoolers, so trying to pack these thoughts for them, uh, I kind of thought of... That must of be difficult. Well, sometimes, and then sometimes they just floor you with their answers. Wow. Because they're so honest. They have very few inhibitions for telling the truth, which is remarkable. Um, but uh, I sort of packed it into this thought. You know, it's a triple A system. Uh, you have attributes, activities, and abilities. And this is how people, most people define themselves. So um, attributes are what we call characteristics to try and describe what a person is like but it can't actually describe what they are. Mm. Um, activities, which is things that people do or they're known for doing or they think they're good at or they like doing. And then um, abilities are skills or giftings, right? You have a gifting, like being able to play music. And just so the viewers can follow along, now we're actually talking about identity. Yeah, for sure. Yes. But this we is how people try. smoothly into, smoothly. <laughs> boom, welcome to identity. Smooth like butter on bread. <laughs> well, this is, this, is, this is the thing. People try to use these 
things to define themselves. And at the end of the day, if you try and say, this is what defines me, will it last forever? Well, your body doesn't last forever. Your intellect doesn't last forever. And it Mm. changes. It can get better or worse. I just want to take a moment um, for the viewers. Can you define yourself through these three attributes? Can you repeat them again? Oh, sure. Attributes, activities, and abilities. What are your attributes? I just want you to answer that to yourself. What are your attributes? What are your activities? And what are your abilities? Is that correct? Yeah. So if we the were to just, if we were to say from your patients, like what they might say about you, they might say that you're kind or that you're respectful or that you're caring. Those are attributes. They're characteristics that people would use to describe you, right? Or um, activities. You run a podcast and yet you still have other activities in your life that and people yeah. might think of you only in this framework. Yeah. yeah. But that's not who you are. Exactly. And then your abilities, you know, you may be gifted in certain things or you might be a perceiver or you might uh, be very prophetic idea. or yeah. these different things things is that you according to god no no so you know if your intellect is is able to change what you like can change your personality can change in a heartbeat it's all static it's well none of it's it's all very temporary right so none of it is eternal the only thing at the end of your life that will go through to the rest of eternity is your spirit Amen. Why are none of those things eternal? I like I know because I know what you're gonna say because of what we talked about in my house. But why are those things not eternal? If you could explain that. You mean you're like your body and those things? No, no, like your attributes, your activities, and your oh, okay, abilities. sure. So uh, uh, a person, a person is uh, able to play music for the first thirty years of their life, and they are savant. And then one day they're hit in the head by a pipe that goes through their brain, and they lose the ability to uh, play piano or play whatever instrument mm-hmm. it was that they were savant on. And now that they don't have that ability, has their spirit changed identity? Yes. Mm. Is I, it though? No. No, their spirit hasn't changed at any, but they their consciousness their their personality has shifted, but it because it was able to shift, it was not who they were. Exactly. It was a thing they did. It was a skill that they had. And that's one important thing that we need to realize. Just because we're doing something and just because we're good at what we're doing doesn't mean that that's who we are. Amen. You know, it's good like if you are a playwright Please write the best plays there is. I love watching plays. If you're a movie uh, writer, please write movies. I like going to the movies. Yes. If you're a nurse, be the best nurse you can be. If you're a doctor or a dentist, be the best dentist. But that doesn't define who you are because me as nursing, even though I love nursing so much and I could could do it for free, If what you're watching, my manager, please don't take that for not granted. That, not, that he, not that he will do it for yeah, free, but, but he I, could. Yeah, he could. I, 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 I tell all the time, like, I could volunteer what I'm doing, but that if something happens and I couldn't do nursing anymore, who will I be? Yes, this loss of identity that people feel because they've put it in the wrong thing. And it's dangerous. Yeah. Right. Very dangerous. Very so like, dangerous. I had a situation where I had to explain to somebody, like, hey, like, bro, um, I, I love you, but understand that your life doesn't end just because you can't do this one gift that God has given you. Absolutely. That is completely correct. Is, is Are you, especially from a Christian standpoint, I just want to focus on this part, especially because mm-hmm. people, now we're going to go into a church standpoint, just because you are so good at preaching, mm-hmm. doesn't does, that doesn't define you. Just because you have the gift of healing, that doesn't define you. Prophecy yeah. doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the works that God has given you to do and like allowed you to do and like, God, thank you so much for letting me heal, and thank you so much for all the prophetic words that you're giving to me. But if you take that away, my identity is still not in that. Right. But a lot of people's identity is in that. Well, a lot of people will chase the gifts and not the giver. Exactly. And this is the problem. If your identity is being put into something that is not eternal, so an activity, an attribute, these these things that can easily just go up and smoke due to circumstance, or mm-hmm. if the Lord comes to you and says, no longer are you doing this, you are doing this other thing from now on. This is the calling I have for you right now. Oh, that's, that is your calling your people. identity? No, not mm-hmm. the same thing. So according to scripture, at least my understanding of scripture, and something that somebody once told me that was very pivotal in the change of my life to be what it is now, uh, the Lord thinks of us as a dream, a miracle. And the way that it was phrased was, you are a miracle dream of God from before the foundation of time, Mm. his personal treasure. Sounds like the verse in the Bible where it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Yeah. That, that verse by itself 
could bring so much healing into so many people's lives. But if I define myself by how God sees me and by who he is, if God is a triunity, right? We believe he's three in one. Yeah. It means that at no point in his entire existence is he anything except a community of love and relationship, right? He's all powerful, all knowing, all encompassing. But at the end of the day, his purpose for us is to have relationship. Yeah. Amen. And so my identity, at least how I identify, because I identify as God sees me, right? So I don't identify by things like sexual orientation, vocation, right? Job. I don't I don't identify by the giftings that God has given me. I haven't identified as male or female. I mean, I do identify well, as a woman. Yeah. But I'm just saying I don't Please. I don't put my stake in I'm a woman, therefore I have worth. Yes. Or yes. I'm a man, therefore I have worth. My my self identity, my self worth, my self image is based off of how God sees me. So he has me as the apple of his eye so good and if i can look at myself that way and then i can look at other people that way you don't mm. want to murder somebody if mm. you see them like god sees them and if you can see the way that god sees our sin versus the way that he sees us it will change the way you look at the entire universe yeah i find it interesting how um in the bible and it kind of ties into uh, what you were saying uh it says the whole law can be summed up in these two commandments, basically. Mm -hmm. yes. Love God. Yes. And then the second one is love like others. this. Love others yeah. like yourself. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I really I really like that. Just because uh, this is, uh, you know, th it's an amazing testimony that I could go on for hours about how God <laughs> sets up these podcasts and, and everything that he does. This week, um, so when, whenever God sets up these podcasts, mm -hmm. usually the week beforehand, even though we don't, we don't really know what we're talking about, it's not really scripted, we know the topic but we didn't know how we we're gonna be talking about it but the whole week beforehand i was listening to a sermon um and one of these sermons were, was if you learn to love what god loves and you learn to hate what god hates mm -hmm. you will start to increase in your anointing and so being that being said if you learn to know what god looks how god looks at sin and how lo God looks at the person who's sinning. So what he hates and then what he loves. Mm -hmm. He loves that person, but he hates the fact that they're sinning. Yeah. Sure. If you learn to love, to look, uh, to look at that and you are able to allow Jesus to open up your spiritual eyes to see that person that way, the way you start ministering, the way you start talking to people, the way you start acting your daily life starts to change instantly. But that's another rabbit hole. By mm -hmm. it, just, it just the fact that God always, and every well, single time we have a podcast, God starts preparing these words beforehand. And I think once before we were talking about it, uh, sin in Hebrew is chata, or it's mm -hmm. the most common form of the word sin that we have. The Bible Project Bible. taught me that. Yeah, Bible Project. Guys, I love the Bible Project. Watch the Bible Project. Do this. Do Find this it. all the time. Yeah, yes, seriously. very good guys. Very wonderful people. Um, but it means distorted. It means mm -hmm. missing the mark, right? And so um, it's, it's one of those things where if we look at humanity, we were created as a good work in the earth. Yeah. Day six, right? Day six of the universe, of the story of our universe, right? God creates mankind and says mankind is good. Yeah. So sin has distorted mankind, but God never failed. And so the person who is still living in sin has enough worth and value that it says, for the joy set before him, Jesus went and died, mm. even while we were still sinners, right? So the person, we take off the old man and put on the new man when we become believers. But who's wearing the coat? The person wearing the coat is the person that's still the same exact person from before they were born yeah. in eternity as a dream in the concept of the mind of Christ and the mind of Jesus and the mind of Holy Spirit and the mind of God as a triunity. Mm. This person exists and has so much value. Not a single person on the earth is worthless or meaningless. Some of the things they say and do are. But as long as we can see that identity is not about what we say and do, but rather about who we are according yes. to God, we will value these people and we will not be able to treat them the way that maybe we could have before. You know, I, um, I just, I, I, I like these, these topics. I just, I just want you guys to, as viewers to, and listeners um, to 
start to focus in on these these words because like whenever you hear i've had to go back multiple times in in servants and podcasts i've listened to to re-listen to something else so please feel free to always go back and re-listen <laughs> because that is so a lot of depth so deep <laughs> and you can go years and and lifetimes without ever realizing what naomi just said and um it was amazing <laughs> the person who puts on the coat and the person who we, we we take off the coat we put take off the old and we put on the new mm-hmm. Who's, Who's the person? The Who's the person that's wearing the coat? I wanted to say, you know, we're talking about identity, and maybe some people are thinking like, oh, we're talking about identity in the grand scheme of things of what usually is talked about this in, in this topic of which is, like. Well, I think we the, should. Like the, yeah, yeah, we, should, we will, too, yeah. we will. But, but um, this also can touch this thing that's currently happening in our country, um, the United States, which is on the identity of abortion mm. should this fetus be considered life is that ide- right. you know what i mean i think that and this is this is one of the reasons why i believe that the enemy of our soul attacks our identity right gives us you know in the garden what was the real sin it was the idea of rebellion to the fact where well i can i can choose right and wrong for myself i'll define what's good and evil i'll decide how the universe should look i'll decide what's truth so how the enemy gets to us, he's the father of lies. So behind each of these topics, there's at least one, sometimes mm. there's several core lies that you have to believe in some way to be able to be deceived mm. truly into the wrong way of looking at it, right? Which is anything that doesn't match God's perspective, right? Yes. So with abortion, there's two, I'd say, central lies. One is it's not really a person. Mm. Now, after Deals with 18, identity right there. <laughs> After 18 days, your heart starts beating. Yep. Right? So, from Michael Spence's standpoint, yeah. <laughs> Got a nurse right here. So, you know, it's really hard for me to try and think about a child as just a group of tissues, which is the lie that people have been told, right? Between propaganda and. Anyways, so if you can buy into that lie in any of its forms, then you're more willing to believe that abortion's okay. The other one is that my rights are more important than someone else's. Mm. So if it's inconvenient for me to have a fourth child when I'm 40, hmm? it's my life. It's my life. That's why they call it pro-choice, right? They don't want to say it's anti-life. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's really hard to get your con- like the mind around that. But they call it pro-choice and make it about women's rights when really it hurts women tremendously. Not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. It leaves a mark. It leaves a mark on the family. There's a missing person that should have been there. Right, a God-ordained human taken out of existence because of a lie that was believed. Whether it's, it was, I'm afraid, I don't yeah. think I can do this, and people are saying that I can't do this. I mean, the, the crazy part is the fact that um, nowadays, all I see on my Facebook page is not pro-choice; it's pro-life. That's all. I'm, like, um, like all the videos that pop up, it's probably because of my view in history. But <laughs> like all the things I'm listening to, like especially abortion survivors. Those are some of the most amazing testimonies that I've heard in myself. In myself, even though they, some of them are not even Christian, but the fact that there was a life that was trying to be destroyed, and no, this life survived. Mm. And even though this life has some deformities, that doesn't define it. The fact that it survived. Yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, look at the look at the new trending that we've got politicians now who are openly admitting that they support third trimester and even giving birth to a child and then terminating life. I mean, we came to this place by first saying it was okay to do it in the second trimester and then saying it's okay to do it in the first trimester and then saying it's not really a person. So Mm. if you can believe these first lies, then you can buy into the larger one. But all of these issues have a lie, you know. I was going to say, kind of the way you've worded it, um, if you buy into this lie, you buy into the other lies. Mm -hmm. That's very true. That's the way sin happens. Cascade effect. Yeah, it's a cascade effect. It just takes one little route to go down Mm -hmm. for it to just spread with time into other areas of your life. And bitterness, right? There's a a certain amount of you buy into the lie, and then upon finding that something's wrong, the pain of that and not being the shame of it and not being willing to admit that I was wrong what I did was wrong is one of the huge hurdles to get over I mean I I know people who've had abortions and I love them I don't hate them for getting an abortion I grieve for their child Mm. I grieve for the mark that it's left on them whether they are willing to admit it or not some of them yes some of them have experienced tremendous amount of emotional pain 
from from having that experience happen and not being able to go back and fix it. But all of these all of these identity markers. So you've got say the transgender community. There's a lie that's fo- that's around. There's actually several. One is that you know I feel this way, and if I were just to change, I would feel better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done many hours of research, listened to a lot of testimonials. We have now an entire community of people called detransitioners. There are people who have went into transitioning, had all the surgeries, the hormones, etc., 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 the counseling, the living for two years as the other gender, etc. They've come across to the other side and they've found out this didn't fix my problem. Mm. This didn't stop the gender dysphoria from still hurting me every single day. Because it's real. Some of these things are really, truly, honestly, the confusion that is in our world is a reality. But you don't have to be lost in confusion. There is a way out of the confusion. I wanted to ask you one question. Do you think partially or even fully that this has to do with like a demonic type of attack? Well, certainly there's at least oppression at some level. But I would say that uh, almost any mental issue should be treated uh, as a medical mental treatment. Mm-hmm. So we've got, we've had a, especially even there was a, a gentleman in Canada, he was, I forget his name right now, unfortunately, but he had a practice where 560 patients, sample size, that's a pretty good sample size, considering that it's a 1% to 2% of the population that experiences gender dysphoria typically in any sort of way. And out of those people, over 50% of them, I mean, we're talking about large percentages, but I don't want to overestimate it here, were able to, through therapy, looking in the history of their background and working through the mental and emotional side of it, were able to work through the gender dysphoria and to accept their assigned sex, biological sex at birth. Mm. And yet now we have children who are six years old saying, I want to be you yeah. know, a boy, and I, and but I was born a girl, so I need to transition. And they're being diagnosed with gender dysphoria. They're immediately being said that they have to stop puberty around age. I think that one of the earliest ones is around age nine, taking puberty blockers to stop their body from forming into full woman. They become sterilized during this process. At age 11, 12, 13, being given testosterone so that their voice drops. There's unnatural bone growth to increase their body to look more masculine male. They will uh, have a receding hairline. They're going to then have body hair grow in different places. And then the surgery is the next step. But it won't necessarily fix it. In fact, we see suicide rates on both sides of that equation are about the same, if not worse, once you've transitioned all the way. And that's a lie. That's the lie that they tell the parents to get the parents to buy into it. Your child's going to try to commit suicide. Yeah. They're already on suicide watch. There's no hope unless you transition. Why are we treating a mental problem with physical change? Why are we trying to do an aesthetic job for what's happening inside of a person? And if a doctor's honest... How can you fix something that's inside when the problem is... Well, well, how can you fix something on the inside with an outside solution? And the worst part is that a doctor who's being honest about it will, will, will actually say you cannot change the XXXY chromosome situation (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. At the DNA level. So you will never be able to fully transition even once we've done everything that we can so far. And the people who do the surgeries for transitioning are often the exact same centers for the people who are getting surgeries to detransition. Yep. But the mo- one of the most heartbreaking sentences I think I heard during my time researching this was a woman saying, how do a woman who transitioned to being a man who's now a detransitioner going back to being a woman, she said, how do I become the woman that I once was? That's right. Mm. How do I go back to being this person? I wanted to mention mm-hmm. something. So we were talking about how parents are letting their children do this. Well, they're being told they have to. Exactly. And this is the thing. But do you think partially, like, I mean, there's certain cases where um, there's even memes now people are making because of this. But the parents are, because of how culture has identified, like, this is okay, right? Like, to 
be like, hey, kids, you're a boy. I want you to be a girl. Like they almost well, like pressure the kids to be. Well, you know? I would say that that's very rare. And the reason I'll say this is because uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent. I'm not one. Yes, um, same. But uh, with almost every parent that I, I've listened to these stories of, it's I just want them to be healthy. I just want them to be safe. I just want them to mm. not hate themselves. Right. And often the parents will go through a lot of distress. You know, I remember one one gentleman speaking about how I, I guess I just I'm losing my little boy and I'm, I'm going to have a little girl now. And then he, he sort of caught himself and said, I guess I've always had a little girl. Yeah. But he had to come to the place where he was in a way grieving for his son who was now becoming his daughter. So a lot of it, I would say in one year alone, I believe the rates of children in the foster care system of Canada being diagnosed with gender dysphoria and starting transitioning increased by over 4,000%. Wow. I don't ever want to overstate a statistic, so please fact check me on that if you'd like to. But um, I think I am low at low balling it. And the reason was because there's a particular, uh, I don't want to use the word doctor, but it is accurate in Canada, who is diagnosing children in the foster care system who they don't have their biological parents to stand up for them. In fact, uh, there's a gentleman in Canada who has been silenced repeatedly by the Canadian authorities, but also by the court systems and different groups there. He, against his will, and even before he knew about it, secretly, his daughter was convinced that she was, that the issues that she had where she didn't feel like she quite fit in was because she's actually a boy and you need to transition. So they've started transitioning, giving medicine to his daughter, the puberty blockers, to his daughter and at school changing the daughter's name to a given boy name that they've selected and the only reason that the dad was informed about it was because it was going to be in that school's yearbook and so the daughter told the father oh by the way I'm being called to this now and I'm actually a boy and the father went to the counselors like, well, what's going on? We've sent her to you because she was having some troubles with, with some of her classmates. And apparently they pushed this gender dysphoria into her world. And she's, I don't remember exactly what age she is now. I think she's, she might be 11 now. But when this first started, she was only maybe nine years old or something. And she's, she's now getting, I believe, the testosterone stuff being poured into her. And he has no say in it. He's been told that he has to affirm it. Wow. And cheerlead it or he can be put into prison. That is messed up. And the judge who said this to him said, your thoughts, unfortunately, are your own. That's just very wrong. I, I, I just don't know. But we how get sad. there. We get there with this mentality of, well, you have to affirm it and cheerlead it. Otherwise, you're abusing your child. And that's the way it's treated. So this gentleman is being told that if he doesn't cheerlead the transition of his healthy daughter being sterilized, mutilated, and transformed into some other gender, or at least an attempt to it, right? Because at the DNA level, you're still who God made you. Exactly. He's being told that he will be treated like somebody who's beaten his child and needs to be thrown in jail. Mm. So it is a it is a tragic scene, but it's not the only one. So we also have so that's the T in LGBTQIA alphabet soup queer community at large, right? Yes. Those are all very politically savvy terms. That's not yes. a bigoted statement. Yes. You also have so you the lie for the the T, the transgender, is this idea that, well, I can choose my gender. You can't choose your gender. Uh -uh. You were made in the image of God, and you were made as you were meant to be. So then the, the next one, the um, or sexual orientation, homosexuality, the lie behind that is, well, I was born this way. So you see in the community people using opposite reasonings. Well, you can't be born this way and choose your gender because it's the wrong one. And yet we see it because it's still the lie that you have to believe. This thing that, well, I can't choose my orientation. Who, who I love is just who I love. And if God doesn't understand that, he's not loving. This is a lie. Yep. Because who you like and what you like to do with them, that's a preference. 
and a behavior. That's true. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. Otherwise, you're an animal. And that's why evolution is so important in our culture, because if we don't, if we are not divinely created, then we are like the animals. And if we're like the animals, sure, your sexual urges are perfectly valid as mm. who you are. Right? Well, <laughs> that is... It is the reason why we need to have the, the cult-like following of evolution in the scientific community, despite other theories that are very, very substantial being put forth by the scientific community, those brave enough who believe in creation, right? They're being shunned by almost every major educational department, mm -hmm. even though there is good reason to question Darwin's theory. I mean, the idea of evolution on the small scale, very good on the micro scale, things like natural adaptation, brilliant theory for this. Mm -hmm doesn't actually hold water for the macrocosm of the universe, unfortunately. That's true. And we have scientists who are not Christians speaking out and saying this. People like David Berlinski, fantastic gentleman, not a believer. He's agnostic, I believe. He's a deist at best, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yet he also is a very loud, outspoken non-believer in evolution to explain our, our whole world. There was, um, I can't remember if it was... Uh Plato or it was an old like uh, time philosopher um, who was atheist he basically came to this conclusion um, and uh, I think we'll just pop it up somewhere here on the video uh, once we find it but he said that you know if you do decide to follow God right based on like you know everything that we believe and everything it's like if you were to do a gambling it's a 50-50 if you don't oh, like Pythagoras's yes okay so that yes. you would look up Pythagoras for that one probably yeah. I mean I, I, would, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't promote that kind of theory because <laughs> no no but uh, like in but general let's it's bring like... heaven down to earth not not yes. uh, no. well maybe yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take my my chances and I'm gonna say yeah. yes just because like that's the better <laughs> no, outcome no no but in general just well, the from stakes a... are higher for the person who says that they're an atheist because if I as a person who believes in Christ am wrong well, that's okay. If I truly go into nothingness, I don't think I'll mind much. But if, on the other hand, I'm an atheist who doesn't believe in God, and then I, I at judgment day, am being asked the question, what's your excuse? An excuse is a lie in disguise for the things you don't want to do. I like that. So, well, it's not mine. That one is Reverend Bob, Bobby Kirkley. <laughs> Love really him good. so much. But if that's true, if it was true that there was any good reason to not believe in God, but you're wrong in this theory of yours. Mm. And then what do you say when you face God himself? You'll have everything to lose. But I mean, um, I don't base my theology off of that either. <laughs> I wanted to go back to identity and I wanted to get back to on this top, uh, a subject. Uh, teach a child in a young age mm -hmm. and they will not fall away from it in the older age. I mean, Proverbs says it. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't quote it perfectly. Yeah. It's okay. The gist of it's still there. Yes. Teach yes. a kid the Bible and it won't depart from them, basically. Yeah. Yep. Right? They'll always come back to it. Because in the back of your mind, but really it's your spirit. Your spirit man knows the truth of reality because it cries out for its creator. That's right. We were created in the image of God. So when we create idols, the reason why it's blasphemy is because God already created what he wanted us to see of him. It's when I look at you, or I look at you, or I look at anyone. So if I deface the face of God by sexual immorality and perversion or abuse and hatred, if I look at a person and see the differences between me and them and I think that that's wrong, then I've decided to condemn a part of who God is. Yes, He's faceted us to look so very different because he is so multifaceted. He's like a diamond that has no end, mm. an infinite cut. That's you know, beautiful. it's just, it's this beautiful thing, imagery. it's this thing where if I can see people as they are intended to be, I'm not going to be able to rape somebody if I see them as an image of God. That's yeah. so good. Yep. I'm not going to be able to decapitate someone's head if I believe that my God mm. created each person exactly so. That's and right. even with somebody who believes something that I don't, the atheist or um, somebody who's struggling with something like transgenderism. If I hate them, I hate my God. And there's a lot of Christians who are out there hating and spitting on the face of Jesus. 
But if Jesus showed us love in this perfect moment of glory, which for me, when I think of Jesus in his full glory, I see a man so brutalized that you can't even recognize him hanging on a tree, which is a curse, bleeding all the way through the earth and then still crying out, Father, forgive them. They don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So if I see my creator like that and I'm willing to spit on him, Mm. then no wonder I've lost a concept of who I am at the core of my being. No wonder I can't understand my identity. So whenever somebody is struggling with something, I encourage anyone to see them as Jesus sees them, love them, but don't tolerate sin. Because yeah. tolerance is not love either. That's true. This is you, another. You can love the person, but you do not have to love the sin. And it takes it takes time to learn how to do that. But the only way you learn how to do it is by spending your own time with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you cannot do something that God empowers us to do if you don't have the power of God on you. Mm-hmm. Well, if God sees me that I am in eternity, right? He's not bound to time. One of the only if I if I ever got the chance to have a question and answer discussion with God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lord, (laughs) (laughs) right? Which you know, when I'm in eternity, I'm sure I'll have no questions or complaints. Yeah, but (laughs) be satisfied. (laughs) One of the things that I I wonder about is God, time, why, how, what? I can't even use these sentences without using time in some reference. Come on, but He sees us at the end of our life before it ever begins. Yep, Mm -hmm. He sees the person that I'm going to be in all of eternity and knows how to get me to be that person. So I used to be one of these people that when I started getting my life together, where I would write like a list and it would be, this is who I want to be in five years. And so each year I need to have these goals and each month I can do this and each week I can do this and each day to each hour to each minute. I used to stress myself out doing this and it would never work because as soon as I did that, something would fall apart. Yeah. Um, and Holy Spirit just taught me this idea of there's only one law, right? This law of love. Love God, love others. But since I have Holy Spirit living inside of me, he puts the law on my heart, right? Like the fulfillment of what Jesus talked about, the Mm -hmm. law written on our hearts. So if Holy Spirit tells me to do something and I disobey it, I've failed the law. But if Holy Spirit doesn't tell me to do something, right, I haven't failed the law. I don't have to make a list of all these things that I need to do tomorrow to become a better person because I'm not qualified to find, figure out what my best life is. Yes. So I ask Holy Spirit, and he's very faithful to a one tiny piece of thing at a time, bring up things that need to change in me. Yeah. I want to add something onto that. So as you said, uh, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the law like for him to speak to you. Mm-hmm. That's more than the, 613 laws. Yes, That's Holy yes, Spirit telling yes, you every day. Right? Exactly. So this <laughs> this uh, understanding, and it when I understood this, this blew my mind. And I believe it'll help everybody who's listening to this. So meaning every day, like even when you're driving in your car, sometimes you, you're not going to be picking up your Bible and be like, oh, there's a situation on the road. What do I do? <laughs> no, you don't. But you have the Holy Spirit if you accepted Christ, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and you have that personal, intimate relationship with God. So the Bible says, um, let your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. Right. Right. Yeah that if you break that down what it's basically saying what is done in the invisible is going to be done in the visible Mm -hmm. the the word the physical bible that we have for example this right here Mm -hmm. it before it became like manifest in the physical it was first in the invisible the idea realm yes Mm -hmm. yes and this whole understanding of that god like holy spirit when you have communication with him that you you know, you just get, you're like, Holy Spirit, I need you right now in this moment. He is like, he, he breathed. This is God's breathed word. He, when you communicate with the Holy Spirit, it's the advocate. It speaks directly to the father. And it's mm-hmm. like, father, he needs your help like mm-hmm. right now. And he communicates back mm-hmm. to you that knowledge. The that, rhema. Yeah. yeah. He communicates it back to you like, Hey, this is what you need to do in this situation. Yeah. Well, I'll blow your mind further if you want. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm here for it. <laughs> so, so we... This is called a deep talk, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we were created and brought into this realm because God spoke. Yes. And before you speak, you have an idea. So ideas create. Mm. And God has given us the privilege to be able to also do this. We have ideas and therefore we can create. Because we are an image of God, he's created us to be able to do this. Now, when things happen in life, you have the ability 
to understand what's happening and react to it. Yes. You have the ability to make a choice and then live with the consequences. So you create a reality based off of your choices, the consequences of your choices, the same way that God created light and life. But we're the only ones that have this ability. We're the only ones that can truly speak. The devil, on the other hand, was not given this privilege. So he cannot create new ideas. Mm. He can only twist, distort, make lies out of truth. So every horrible thing that's out there is a distortion of a good thing that God has created or has created through us. So to be able to make and redeem a thing, you simply have to untwist it. And to go with your idea about um, (laughs) just how the devil can't create, Mm -hmm. the devil only counterfeits what is valuable. Right, sure. But he can only twist it, right? Yes. So, so you know, he can't he can't even make a counterfeit or an opposite. Yes, yes. He can only take the original and taint it enough yes. that it looks like something completely different yes. and new. There is no new thing that he could ever have created yes. because he doesn't have that right. But we have the right to change our world. So us and tying it into identity, he takes right. the right identity. Yeah. And if you are willing to believe the lie... It. The Lord is one of those people, right, who respects you, right? We respect because yes. we, we treat others the way that God wants us to treat them, yes. right? He will respect your choice to create a reality that is wrong, twisted, and distorted. He gives you the dignity of choice so that you have the ability to love. Because without this ability to love, you can't have a relationship with him, and that's oh, the whole geez. point, right? Uh, yes. Um, uh now we're coming into a close of our podcast and it's, oh, okay. it's almost an hour i know time flies by super quickly when you're having so much fun but we're not done yet i want to talk about one point and uh, we can talk about this for about 10 minutes uh we're about in that section of time this point is we've talked about the identities that are in this world mm-hmm. we've talked about where a lot of people stand but now i want to talk about the identity that we have in christ yeah sure and that that's uh, the way uh, to close to close it off this is bringing us back to the true identity back to the true creator mm-hmm. back to everything and uh if you want to take this on naomi take on the challenge and oh, okay i'm ready maybe holy spirit help me <laughs> it's the only kosher form of cheating right that's right <laughs> which psalm is it? Is it psalm 10 lord help lord <laughs> help, help lord yeah. okay i'm just looking up something you go ahead no, and ask uh, so no, the big thing is that we see what, what what wrong identity is. The Bible shows us what right identity is, and uh, even though uh, we, even though that that same right identity can still be distorted, what in in your study and what in what, all the things that you found, what has been found to be the right identity? Okay, hold on. Let's see. See if I found the right one. I may or may not have. That's fine. So I put you see. on the spot here. <laughs> That's okay. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, inglorious, his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So my other translation will say, and made him head over everything for the messianic community, which is the grafted in vine, right? Which is the body, the full expression of him who fills all creation. So to answer that question, what is the right identity? I would say if I have been crucified with Christ mm-hmm. and then raised with him into the heavenly realm, seated at the right hand of the Father, my identity is Jesus. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not God, but my identity is in Jesus and he lives in me. So I'm able to claim a position of authority as a chosen beloved of Jesus, yes. as a spiritual child of God. 
and as a work, a good work in the earth, fulfilling the destiny that has been set before me, which is to say, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Right? I love it. I love that. I love that <laughs> response. Your identity. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And he is mine. Now, guys, we're, uh, we're going to be ending on that. Naomi, yes. thank you so much for having us. New life. Thank you. thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate this, especially like, this probably the best design we've ever had for yeah. our podcast and like beautiful. it looks beautiful we should have naomi if you have anything like to say that you have on your heart just to finish this out like if you have anything just like specifically that the lord right now is we like to give a time where you just let the guests speak something out to the viewers to you know impart onto them i guess you could say um i would encourage anyone who's hoping to seek out their true identity to understand that Without God, you have nothing. And that sounds harsh. But if you have God, you have everything. Yes. Whether you have it all together, whether you think you have it all together, whether you think you could never get it all together, it doesn't matter because you don't have to ever do anything to earn God's love. You don't ever have to be anything. And there's nothing that you can do to destroy his love. My standing with him and your standing with him is not dependent on anything that i have control over i'm mm -hmm. just loved and so are you so if you really want to know how god feels about you look up song of solomon and find out that he has a love letter for you look up all of the gospels and see what he was willing to do for you yes. look up revelation to see what it is he wants you to be able to be a part of and then realize that you can't possibly fail the person who actually loves you the most yes Thank you, Naomi, so much. That was yes. beautiful. And with, on that, we're going to be ending it. Thank <laughs> you guys for watching. Have a fantastic day, night, or morning. Bye, you guys. Be blessed. Bye. Shalom.